I've been praying for clarity for myself this morning. I, um, this is one of those messages where I thought I was working on the message and I realized the message was working on me. I thought I was going to have all this great stuff to say and I realized, oh Lord, this is like half-baked right now. Some of you like half-baked cookies, that's the good stuff, right? Well, this message this morning is going to be half-baked, so hopefully you like a half-baked message because I've realized halfway through, Lord, I, like I, need, I need your help. You need to teach me more about this. Before we get into the Romans 8, so the past couple of weeks, if I can kind of give you my uh, perspective, a prophetic perspective over the past couple of weeks here in the church of what I sense and see the Lord doing in us, a couple of weeks ago when Barry taught on spiritual hunger, there were some things he said in there that really that triggered me, and it caused me to remember some of the root systems here at Heart of the Father. And I believe deep within the root system here as a church, as a local body, is spiritual hunger. That there is a, a hunger for the Lord. There is a desire for him. And so some of you may come, if it's your first time here, think, man, these people seem really radical or whatever. Well, you really haven't seen nothing yet. But that's really very much a part of our DNA here is that we're going to hunger for the Lord. There should be a desire, a cry in our hearts for him. And so that kind of triggered something in me. And then Dave, last week, um, even before he shared, I shared a little bit about breakthrough coming forth in our body and how we need breakthrough to go to the next level in the Lord. And Dave talked a little bit about some things that would hinder that, you know, some sins that entangle us, that ensnare us or uh, beset us. So I got to thinking and I'm realizing how the Lord wants to do something here that it's almost hard to put your finger on. But I've looked through a couple of prophetic words over the past four years, and I want to read bits and pieces of them for you to help you to get to, to thinking what I've been thinking the past week or so. So in April of 2018, there was a word that came forth. These were uh, either a prophetic word or a tongue and interpretation, but it came forth, and here's just a couple snippets of it. The Lord's saying, but I'm waiting, I'm waiting, says the Lord, to hear your voice and your cry. Don't allow yourself and don't allow the enemy anymore to squish down to suppress the desires that I have placed inside of you. Don't let the flame go out, says the Lord. Blow on it and vent your desire to me and you'll see me answer. I want you to pick up on this theme here that is coming out of these words. November of 2019. The cry of your heart is for him, and all that you desire and are longing for is contained in your bridegroom. As the cry of my bride rises up and as her heart waits and longs in anticipation, even in hurting and crying and longing for me, it draws me to my bride. In my presence and all that is in heaven responds to the cry of my bride. All that you long for, all that you hope for, all that you cry for, the deepest longings in your heart and soul are for your bridegroom. Let your heart long for him, for the heart of the bridegroom responds to the longing cry of the bride. September of 2020, there's a large unclaimed inheritance in my body. Come and get your inheritance. Fullness is your inheritance. Fight for it, go for it, groan for it. Hunger and thirst and cry for the fullness that I have purchased for you. 
I will help you as you pursue and come forward after what I have purchased for you. I will help you. I will show you what hinders you. And then November of 2021. So the tide of my spirit rises when the gravity of the hearts of my people cry out for it and engage with me. This is a season to live with an engaged heart. Live each day in each moment with an engaged heart, with the Spirit. The Spirit desires to rise higher, and it's, gravity of your, and it's the gravity of your own heart that draws Him. For every heart needs to join in the God cry. For every heart needs to join in the God cry. Every heart needs to connect and be engaged and cry out to the Lord. For as you do engage, my spirit will continue to rise and the tide will rise and you will not just wade. You will swim in the glory of my presence and I will be able to accomplish the thing I want to do in this place. So one of the themes that have been woven into the history here the past four years when the Lord has spoken to us uh, corporately is it's, it's contained in one word and that word is cry. The Lord is wanting to hear our cry for him, our longing for him, our desire for him. How many know with prophetic promises come prophetic warnings and cautions? Here were some of the cautions that were in those very same words. Do not hide your heart from me, says the Lord. Do not cover it up with any excuse. Don't cover it up with the past or any woundedness. Don't cover it up with your inabilities. Don't let anything quench your cry, your cry and your desire. Don't let anything keep you and distract you from the times of waiting and letting your heart be bare before me and letting the longing be raw in my presence. Let nothing stop or quench that love. Don't be satisfied with a nickel when I have given you a fortune of the Spirit as your inheritance when I rose from the dead. Don't leave your inheritance on the table. The enemy would try to keep you from it in so many ways. Things that cling to your life, that distract you. Things of this world that, that dilute you and make you dull. All these things the enemy is using to try to get you to forfeit your inheritance. Don't let it go. Don't let your inheritance remain unclaimed. Don't be content with the little that you have when I have purchased so much more for you. Last one. This is the time to live free from the entanglements, from the sins that so easily besets, to lay those things down and to not be distracted and entangled. Are you guys tracking with me? So in other words, there should be a cry, there should be a longing that rises from this body unto the Lord. He's waiting for that. He wants that. But sometimes there are things that hinder us. Things like excuses, things like distractions, things like being content, things like quenching. But here's the good news. The Father is here to help us. 
This message this morning is not about me telling you how, how bad you are. This message to me, I believe, I want to feel the Father, his hand reach through me to you and to pull you in a little closer. Right? If we're talking about inheritance and, and what the Lord wants to do here in this body, here's the truth. You and I can't do it. I mean, we can get up here and cry and just make some noises, but guess what? The Father has to do it. He just needs our participation. He needs our cooperation. We need corporate cooperation. We start talking about a cry coming forth, and, and we might get uncomfortable. Oh, that's not me. I don't do those kind of things. Can I encourage you just to maybe put, put your weapons down? Just give me a minute here. Let the Father speak to us through his word. I believe his word is going to encourage us that even this cry that he wants to birth in us, it's not of ourselves. I'm telling you, you can't do it. This week, I've been looking at the word, and I'm realizing, Lord, the more I look at this, like, yep, I can't do it. We can't do it. We can press. We can push. We can shove. We can cry, kick, scream, moan, groan. We can do all these things, and nothing works. Why? Because it's dependent upon him. But he does need our participation. He does need our cooperation. So, the message title this morning, Our Pathway to Inheritance. Our Pathway to Inheritance. Father, I thank you for all that you've been doing here in this body. I thank you for speaking to us. Just weaving your voice in this journey together as a family. And, Lord, I pray that you would help us. We ask for your help. God, we're asking for a measure of inheritance, a measure of fullness to be released in this place. Lord, help us to break through to another level. Lord, let there be a longing. Let there be a cry. Let there be a desire for you. Lord, you are our inheritance. The fullness of your spirit, Lord, that's our inheritance. It's not a job, a house, a vehicle. Lord, it's you. So I pray that you would help position us, that you would help us cooperate, that you would take our excuses, our easily being satisfied, our spiritual laziness, Lord, whatever it is, would you take those things would you remove them and would you cause us, would you cause us to rise up in the spirit? Would you cause us to participate and say yes to you with all of our hearts? Let it be real. Lord, I'm asking for the spirit of grace to rest here this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, I told you Romans 8, but keep your finger there. Go to Galatians chapter 4. Help me, Lord. Thank you for the spirit of grace. Galatians chapter 4. Let's look at verse 4. 
But when the fullness of the time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, that we might receive the adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent forth the spirit of his son into your hearts, crying out, say it with me, Abba, Father. Therefore, you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir of God through Christ. Let's read verse 6 and 7 again. I probably read these things, gosh, a bazillion times, so you're going to read them a couple times with me. And because you are sons, God has sent forth the spirit of his son into whose heart? Crying out, say it with me, Abba, Father. Therefore, you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir of God through Christ. Now flip over to Romans 8. I feel the pressure just coming off a little bit. The Lord is going to have his way. Let's look at verse 14. Dave mentioned it this morning. Romans 8, 14. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear. Lord, what did we receive? You received the spirit of adoption. Your version may spirit of, may say sonship. By whom we cry out, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. If indeed we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified together. Let's read verse 15, 16, and 17 just one more time together. For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption, by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God, and if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified together." As we are on our pathway to inheritance, there are two things that I see in these passages that are a huge blessing. And these are the two things we're going to hammer out this morning together. Number one, the witness of the Holy Spirit. And number two, the cry of the Holy Spirit. When you look at verse 16, it says the Spirit himself does what? bears witness with our spirit that we are children. When's the last time the Holy Spirit had to wrestle you down to the floor and convince you that you are a son or daughter to the Father? When's the last time he convicted you so much of how much you belong to the Father? Come on, we're going to talk about us as a body moving into inheritance How do we we plan on doing that? Do we plan on just being a bunch of orphans, fighting, kicking, screaming, and and move move each other out? Get out the way. Let me get mine. 
Or do we plan on just complaining to the, to the Father, this grumbling? Oh, gosh, Lord, you're so stingy. Or maybe his way is that he's inviting us to be sons and daughters to him. Maybe he's releasing a measure of his spirit to witness to our hearts that when it comes to our inheritance, it's not about us fighting each other or fighting the Lord for it. It's about us positioning, our, positioning ourselves before him and allowing him to do whatever he wants to do. The Holy Spirit desires to witness to our spirit about who we are and about who our Father is. Because when we begin to cry out, we are to cry out as sons and daughters, not orphans. Sons and daughters do not obtain the promises of God by grumbling and complaining and acting like orphans. Sons and daughters obtain the promises of God through rightly relating to God as Father. I mean, think about even your own personal life. All the, the prophetic words that have been spoken over you, the destiny, the purpose, the call. You think about all those things, and you think about how you're not walking in a majority of it. And what happens? You get frustrated, right? Give up. God's stingy. Maybe when I, get, when I act perfect, like I do everything right, maybe if I serve enough, Maybe if I pray enough, maybe if we just like quadruple all the prayer meetings here, we extend our meetings to like a, a couple hours times two. I mean, we could just do all kinds. Let's just do us fast the whole year. Let's do it, right? Start today. Let's fast. Right? We could do all these things, and it looks like we're going somewhere. But what if the Father is saying, hey, I want you to rightly relate to me. I want you to know me first. I want you to come and be a son. Come be a daughter. Because his word says that the sons and daughters, they're heirs. Heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. In the first century, this idea of adoption, it involved this. It involved conferring upon the adopted child all the rights and privileges of a natural child. The adoption was permanent. No child could be adopted today and disinherited tomorrow. So when the Lord said, you're my son or daughter, that he's adopted you, and the spirit of adoption has come upon you, it's not his intention to take that back. It's not. It almost feels like majority of the time he's trying to convince us of who he is and who we are. And then he's probably trying to convince us again to lay down our arms, lay down our weapons. We're resisting and fighting against the Lord. How do we do that? We watch TV forever. Right? We're so easily satisfied with the things of this world. When we do that, we're resisting him. When we're spiritually lazy, we're resisting him. When I don't want to spend time with him, I'm resisting him. And he's trying to say, come. You want inheritance? You want more? You want the fullness of my spirit? There's a lot of things you're going to have to get out of your life. 
He's trying to get those things out of our lives. Dave tried last week by the Holy Spirit. Tried to help us, right? He brought all his luggage, all his baggage, trying to help us. The Lord said, I will help you. I will show you what hinders you. One commentator said concerning Romans 8, he said, The Holy Spirit quickens. He makes alive our hearts with the perfect knowledge and the confidence that we are a son or daughter to the Father. I'm looking at the past couple of weeks and realizing the Lord is trying to quicken me to the realization that I'm a son to him. And if that's true, a lot of this stuff changes on what I feel like I need to do around here. It's more partnership. It's more yielding. We haven't gotten to the cry yet, the cry part yet, but the Holy Spirit wants to cry through you and me. That means you need to yield to him. Don't resist him. Orphans view God as a taker. Sons know him as a giver. Orphans pray because they feel obligated. Sons pray because they delight in him. Orphans beg. Sons ask. Orphans grow impatient. Sons wait patiently. Orphans walk by sight. Sons walk by faith. Orphans stand far away. Sons draw near. So how do mature sons and daughters rightly relate to the Father? It's very simple. They approach him. They approach him. Orphans don't approach God as Father. They're busy working, doing a lot of good Christian things. But true sons, true daughters approach the Father, and they're willing to wait upon him. They're willing to be with him. They don't grow impatient. They don't grow frustrated. Ephesians 2, verse 13 and 18, But now in Christ Jesus you were far off, you who were far off, but have been brought near by the blood of Jesus. For through Christ we both have access, access by one spirit to the Father. Hebrews 4, 6, let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in a time of need. Hebrews 10, 19 and verse 22, therefore, brethren, having boldness, to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus by a new living way, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith. And then Romans 8, verse 15, what we just read, he says, you do not receive a spirit of bondage again to fear. Why is he saying that? Because we naturally are afraid. We're naturally timid to go to the Father and to be honest with him. When's the last time you have been so honest with God that you confess that your hunger for God is very little? Lord, I know on, and when we gather Sunday, Wednesday, whatever, I can kind of put on a show. But Lord, if I'm honest, my hunger for you is not where it should be. You know, one of the ways that I test my spiritual hunger, <clears throat> this may sound, I don't know really odd. It probably is odd. One of the ways I test my spiritual hunger is um, I'll go golfing or go do something I really, really like. (laughs) 
Because, for me, so I really enjoy golfing. So here's what it looks like. If I'm going golfing Saturday morning, Friday night, you know, I can get my little outfit ready and, you know what I'm saying? I'm like, boo, boo, what shirt should I wear, this one or this one? You know, I may, I may clean my clothes off or not, I don't know, just depends. You know, got my golf balls with me. <clears throat> I go to bed and I wake up in the morning and like there's that like, there's that excitement in my heart. Right? There's that joy of like, yes, I'm so excited. And I go golfing and I enjoy it. Then, on the other hand, you know, we call a prayer meeting. Right? And go to sleep the night before and I wake up in the morning and there's that excitement is not in my heart the way it was when I went golfing. Are you guys tracking with me? This is what I do to myself. Lord, if I'm honest with you, I get more excited. There's like that little thing in me that lights up when I get to go golfing on a beautiful Saturday morning, yada, yada, yada. But Lord, when it comes to prayer, when it comes to your word, if I'm being honest, Lord, There's not much excitement in that. I mean, I'll do it because I have to, right? I'm a Christian here. I should be a good Christian. But that thing, that that joy doesn't spark in my heart. And when when I notice that in my own life, I've just developed a strategy. I've developed a discipline where I instantly confess it to the Father. Say, Father, this is real in me. Change it. If I need to not go golfing or playing basketball for whatever, I won't do it. I'll lay it aside. Change this. When we talk about prayer, we talk about being in the Word. Lord, I want something on the inside of me to go off. Something in me should get to going. And if it doesn't for you, I want to encourage you, tell the Lord. Tell Him. Be honest. I mean, most of these prophetic cautions and warnings, it's about this very thing. Don't cover it up with excuses. Don't let anything keep you and distract you. Let nothing stop or quench that love. Don't be content with the little that you have. Be free from the entanglements. That's what the Father's after. Not just showing up to things, like, praise God, you showed up, that's great, that's awesome, I love it. But the motive, that's what he wants to change. If he can change that, then everything else will change. Everything will come into alignment with that. But for some of us, if we're honest, our spiritual hunger for the Lord, it's not as radical as we make it out to be. I mean, it can easily be stifled with Someone put on the favorite, your favorite show, and you just go watch the show for several hours. Right? I fall into that stuff, too, so I'm not here up condemning you. I'm here telling you the Holy Spirit wants to witness to you that you're a child of God. So true 
mature sons and daughters, they approach the father. And they don't just approach him anyway. They approach him the way he asked to be approached. To be approached. And how did he ask? He says, come boldly. How else did he ask? He said, draw near. I want you to come boldly, and I want you to come as close to me as you can. That's, that's a different kind of mindset. I've been thinking about my prayer life, and I'm like, Lord, I don't really think I do those two things. I mean, I come, and that's about it. <laughs> boldly, drawing more near than before, and that's what he wants. The Holy Spirit's trying to convince us of that. So, verse 16, the Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God, joint heirs with Christ. Question, how much inheritance can we walk in now? Maybe a better question would be, how much inheritance does the Father want us to walk in now? When I think about that and you think about his word, the word fullness comes to mind. Paul prays it in Ephesians 3 that you would be filled with the fullness of God. Ephesians 4, Jesus wants to fill all things with himself. So we literally can have as much of God as we would like. As sons and daughters, we can have as much of God as we would like. We can walk in the fullness of the Holy Spirit if we desire. Key word being desire. Do we desire that? Do we want that? I know naturally we say yes. But if I were to look into your life and your schedule and all the things you do, would that Say yes. So we need to cooperate with the Holy Spirit. He's trying to convince us this morning. We're sons, we're daughters. If we want inheritance, that's the way. That's our pathway. Not through being orphans. Not through complaining. Not through thinking, oh my gosh, Lord, I have to keep praying. Like, really? Really? Like, that's, that's the wrong mindset, right? He wants to shift our mindset and say, Lord, I get to be seated with Christ in heavenly places. I get to pray, Lord, just right beside you. I get to seek you. And, Lord, I get to partner with you in prayer and pray blessing over your church and over brothers and sisters. I get to proclaim your word. I get to release healing to the body. God, I get to do things that I'm not qualified to do. But, Lord, you qualified me by granting me the spirit of adoption. Easy as that. The second thing, second point to our pathway, back to verse 15. For you did not receive the spirit... A bondage again to fear, but you earned the spirit of adoption. No, you received. 
the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. So this cry belongs to the Holy Spirit. We talk about crying out here. Last Sunday, there was some crying out. Can I tell you, that's the Holy Spirit crying out. If we want to be a people who cry out for the Lord, we have to first recognize the cry belongs to the Holy Spirit. It's not your cry. So for those of you who feel discouraged and say, man, I don't feel like I cry out like, you know, so-and-so does. Well, great news, it's not yours. And those of you who think, man, I really do a good job crying out, you know what I'm saying? Like, I got kind of bad news for you, but it's not your cry, it's his. The Holy Spirit wants to cry through you and through me. Why? Because the word says he does. So we talk about praying. We talk about lifting up our voice. Inevitably, what I'm saying is partner with the Holy Spirit. Yield to him. Stop resisting him. If he wants to cry out through you, let him do that. Why do you hinder him? Why do you stop him from doing that? I've been sitting down with the Lord this week and looking at this verse, and I'm like, Lord, Holy Spirit, cry out through me. Lord, it's there sometimes, but I want to witness. Like, I'm just the vessel through whom you cry out, and I want to cry out with you. Guys, this is the work of grace. This is not a work to just try to get your emotions. Let's get all emotional in here. Let's just try to, you know, get really excited about some things. Like, we can do that. I love you, excited, all that stuff. But we're talking about crying out for the Lord, truly desiring God. You need God in order to get to him. You need him to touch you. You need him to birth it in you first. It starts with him, not with you. Commentator named... David Garland, theologian, he said, The verb cry is in the present tense, which implies that the Spirit of God continues to stir the believer to cry out, Abba, Father. He goes on to say, Believers are in such close communion with the Spirit that the Spirit-inspired cry of Abba offers joint testimony that they are genuinely God's children. He goes on to say, in using the verb, crying out, Paul stresses that our awareness of God as Father comes not from rational consideration nor from external testimony alone, but from a truth deeply felt and intensely experienced. The word cry means to It speaks of a loud cry or a noisy outcry expressing deep emotion. This is what the Holy Spirit wants to do in you. Well, brother, that's not my personality. Well, I would say, hey, that's me too. I'm introverted. That's my excuse. What's yours? He wants to cry out through you. And I'm just trying to convince you it's him that does it. Who in here would just say they willingly want to quench and suppress the Holy Spirit? I don't believe any of you would say that. 
And it doesn't mean all of our crying out sounds the same, looks the same, and we just, you know, it's not really about what it looks like or sounds like. It's just about him being in the driver's seat. Is he in the driver's seat in your life? Can he pray? Can he intercede through you? This crying out is connected to verses, a couple verses later, verse 27, or verse 26 and 27. The Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Verse 26, because he, the Spirit, he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. This is the Holy Spirit praying through you. This is the Holy Spirit interceding through you. This is not you doing it yourself. This is him. So if we can yield again, if we can submit to him, if we can just give in to the Holy Spirit, he would like to corporately do something. He's looking for corporate cooperation. As Randy was telling me last week, we have to learn to flow in the Holy Ghost. So the church should be filled with sons and daughters who cry out for their father. Why? Because we bear the spirit of adoption. The reasons we don't cry out are the ones I mentioned before. The difference between grieving and quenching the Holy Spirit. Grieving the Holy Spirit looks like us sinning. Quenching the Holy Spirit looks like us refusing to participate in divine activity. That the Holy Spirit wants to move here and we quench him by saying, eh, we'd rather do something else. Eh, I'm not interested in that. And the Lord this morning is drawing us into, hey, I don't, I don't feel like we're quenching the Spirit. I do feel like he's drawing us in deeper. And if there is a cry coming forth from this body, then we're going to have to make sure we're yielding to him, that we allow him to flow through us the way he wants to. And it's not even just here. It's at home. It's at your job. It's wherever you go. Can the Holy Spirit really have free reign in your life? Can he tell you to do whatever he wants to do? I was at, we were at Books a Million for a second last night. I saw um, Holly. I don't know if she's in here, but... Uh, she was in the, the, um, the Christian section. I'm like, what are you doing here? She's like, oh, I feel like the Lord told me to come here. She had already come to the store with a friend, but she's like, I felt God told me to come sit, you know, look at some books in this section. And I'm like, that's beautiful. Very simple. She felt like God told her to do it. She does it. I don't know what came of it. It doesn't really matter. But she's practicing obedience. Can we, can we get back to that again as a church? As a son or daughter, God tells you to do something, just go do it. You don't have to worry about what happens in the results of it. Don't worry about that. Just be obedient. Just yield to him. Okay, what is the context of our cry? The context of our cry is Abba, Father. We're crying out for our Father. This time is used in Scripture it's also used, and we read it in Galatians 4, the other time it's used, only used three times, Abba Father like this, is used in Mark 14. In Mark 14, Jesus is in the Garden of Gethsemane, and he's praying, 
and he cries out, Abba, Father. And what's the context of his prayer? What are the results? Are they in? And the result is the context of his prayer is, Father, let your will be done, not mine. So the Spirit, the Holy Spirit in you, crying out, Abba, Father. In other words, he's crying out, Father, let your will be done, not mine. So when I hear you cry out, I'm partly hearing you crying out, Lord, not my will, but your will. Break my will. My will is so strong and crooked and it's, in, it's doing its own thing. Lord, let your will be in me. Let it be like an arrow. Let it be a straight path. Let it not be crooked and all over the place. Lord, your will, let it be clear and concise. That is the cry of the Holy Spirit in the church. Father, let your will be done. Not mine. That is the cry of the Holy Spirit. Who wants that kind of cry of the Holy Spirit in their life? Where you're describing, Lord, let your will be done. You don't have to tell me all the details. Let your will be done. This is the work of grace. This is the work of the spirit of grace. That he would birth a cry in you. It's a miracle. (laughs) That you would prefer someone else's will over your will. That's a miracle. That's evidence that you belong to God. True sons and daughters are about their father's business. So what does the father want? What is he seeking to do? If we're praying for his will to be done in us and through us, we want his will as a church. What does he want? He wants to fill everything with himself. Every little nook and cranny to your life, he wants to be the primary thought. He wants to be center stage in every single area of your life. He wants to fill this body with himself. He wants the fullness of his spirit active in this body. That's what he wants. He wants to fill the earth with the knowledge and the glory of his son. How does he do that? How does God... Habakkuk chapter 2 says he wants, to fill the, he wants the earth filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. How does he do that? Can I tell you he does that by filling you and 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 he's filling all his people and he spreads them all over the earth where there are sons and daughters everywhere. There are a billion sons and daughters all over the earth. They're, they're covering the earth as the waters cover the sea. He's going to reveal himself to us and in us and through us. And that's how he's going to fill the earth 
with the knowledge of the glory of Jesus. He does it through you and me. He just needs our participation. He needs our cooperation. We've got to stop resisting him. Romans chapter 8, verse 29. For whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. What does the father want? He wants many sons. He wants daughters. He wants those who belong to him to live for him. That's what he wants. In Hebrews, it talks about Jesus bringing many sons into glory. He wants all of us to to, to break into another whole realm, a new dimension of being sons and daughters and participating with the Father in his will, in his ways, in his word. Or we say yes to him. Whatever you want, God. So in this word I, I read, it says, For every heart needs to join in the God cry. Every heart needs to connect and be engaged and cry out for the Lord. For as you do engage, my spirit will continue to rise and the tide will rise and you will not just wade. You will swim in the glory of my presence and I will be able to do I will be able to accomplish the thing I want to do in this place. He's asking us to join in a God cry. He's asking us to participate in Romans 8 and Ephesians 4. Partnering with the Holy Spirit, allowing the Holy Spirit to cry out through us, Abba, Father, not my will, your will be done. Guys, if we grab hold of that, if we step into that, things will look a lot different here. If we grab hold of God's highest desire for his people, if we connect with it, if we believe it, if we stand in it, guys, nothing will be impossible.